Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second installment of the Most Traveled Podcast. I'm Joe Altaffer, and I'm with my dad, Bill Altaffer. And today, we want to talk a little bit about a specific place. It's a place that honestly is definitely the out of the norm of most travel, and I've been lucky enough to go there with my dad. And he's been traveling over there for over 15 years, so he's definitely been able to see a lot of this country and how it's changed. And today, that country is North Korea. So I want to first ask, what, what really spurred your interest in visiting North Korea? And why did you want to make so many trips out there? It's, it's definitely very remote. And I feel like the public image of North Korea is generally not very good for U.S. citizens. So why did you decide to go there? What drew me to North Korea was to honestly complete a valid trip to every country in the world, not just an airport stop or something like that. But crossing the DMZ. I'll discuss that later. And But the thing with North Korea goes back to years ago when I was in Corfu, and I'd look across and I'd see Albania, and uh, that was a forbidden country. You got anywhere near there, you went to the coal mines. So things like Niihau off of Kauai, the 8th Island of Hawaii, Forbidden Island, or China in 1979, I led the first group of tour tourists into China. And so forbidden, being forbidden, I, I, I don't take no for an answer. I want to get into these countries and see what's there, whether it's Socotra, the island off Yemen. So that that's what drew me to North Korea, was it? it's forbidden, and people think you can't even go there. Yeah, so definitely, definitely interesting place. And I don't know about you, but it, it's out of all the places I've been able to go to, it's probably the number one place that people are shocked to hear. So what? tell me about maybe your first trip to North Korea and how'd you, what'd you see? What, what, what kind of shocked you the most? Um, well, it was like going to a different planet. So I describe it as going to Mars with people on it. Okay. In other words, you can't... The term exotic, for me, that word, means stuff for different people. Mm-hmm. Like Bali is exotic, I, I suppose. Hawaii, somewhat. Yeah, but <laughs> truly exotic is North Korea because it's it's totally unexpectedly different. And uh, if you go there and you follow their rules you will leave on time and everything will be fine and we'll discuss not leaving you know at a later time maybe (laughs) yeah and so uh like i say it's like going to mars but first i'll say that i went to korea its sister south korea yeah and it's only 70 miles 50 60 miles from the border seoul to uh, uh north korea and so in the past if you wanted to get as close as you could to North Korea, you would take this all-day trip, which required a little bit of work. You had to make a reservation maybe four or five days before you can go. They take your passport. They run it. Uh, because when you go from Seoul up to the DMZ, you're going to the most fortified area in the world. The demarcation zone. The DMZ. And that, that's where the presidents go up. And there's an officer's club, and they look over into North Korea, and they have binoculars set up so you can see the, the city, town that they 
fabricated there that people don't live in. It houses the world's largest flag. Wow. And uh, and so you and there's the Bridge of No Return. I have a book somewhere at home. It belonged to my father. It was about the turncoats. And the turncoats were the guys in the 50s who uh, American soldiers crossed the Bridge of No Return because they wanted to go be communists in the north. Mm-hmm. And uh, I still have that book. It was pretty uh, frightening. And there's been incidences there where they had a tree and the, the army went out to cut down the tree and the soldiers from the north came and, and uh, killed a bunch of our soldiers with axes. And, well, even recently, like with the, um, I think it was a couple of years ago. Oh, and the guy was trying to escape yeah, from the, the north? Yeah, the guy was trying to escape. Soldiers trying to escape. And it's it's the most heavily land-minded place in the world. It is. So. They have a golf course there, a military golf course, mm-hmm. which they consider to be the, the most dangerous golf course in the world. So when, when could you cross the dmz was this before 2005 but you can't cross the dmz no I, i'm just saying like with that day tour when did they start doing that was that before 2005 oh or? yeah yeah it was it's probably i would say somewhere in the 1990s okay but um i only ask it, because you know travel wasn't open before 2005 i just was curious well you know the phonies went then and, and I was one of them because that's all I could do. Mm-hmm. You, and it wasn't you're not even sure you're going to make it because <clears throat> the bus takes off and the soldiers tell you you know uh, uh, wear a long sleeve shirt and uh, you know don't wave at the North Koreans or or do anything with your hands or anything mm-hmm. like that and keep your you know your face straight and uh, do exactly what they say or, or they won't let you go on the bus to the DMZ. And then they reported like there was going to be a meeting or something. We were <laughs> held up and it looked like I wasn't going to get to go. And But I, I, I that one time, first time, I, I did the, the, the trip. And um, But let's go back to the first time I went to Korea, which was back early with my family mm-hmm. uh, in the uh, late 50s, early 60s. And... Uh, you know, it's right after the Korean War, so I got to see the uh, damage and stuff done to Seoul, and, and they didn't have much of an infrastructure. Then later, in the early 70s, I led a tour there for Travel World uh, to Asia, which included Seoul. And uh, something that really impressed me about the North Koreans, I mean, this Korean people as a culture how smart they are and how hard working. So I'm in the Chosun Hotel. And this is in South Korea? Seoul? South Korea and Seoul. Okay. And say 73 or okay. 74. And uh, we're going to leave the hotel and go out to a restaurant with Korean entertainment and stuff. So I'm in the bathroom and we have these really nice five star hotel. And I swing this big towel around and i break my glasses one of the lenses and um just smashed smashed and it, it was glass then not like plastic that we have now okay and i remember that there was an optical shop in the mall that attaches to the chosun hotel so i ran over there before the bus left and, and gave this optician my glasses with the broken lens and uh, then i forgot about it did my thing, came back to the hotel to get my key, and in the in the slot was my brand new pair of glasses, perfect prescription, read by the optician next door, and a little bill, you know, trusting me to 
pay him after he did the work. So um, amazing that that could happen. And it also happened on a Saturday night. Which can you imagine that you, you're in New York and you break your glass and say you want to get them fixed? Yeah. <laughs> I don't you know, think wait so. A week. And, and they're going to do it without you putting any money down or their credit card or <laughs> stuff glasses like that. Glasses stolen, different glasses. <laughs> right. So um, up till maybe 2005 was the first time uh, tourists from America uh, could go to North Korea, and I was on a trip. Partially leading, but partially just being a passenger with Universal Travel Systems in Santa Monica. And we, uh, after the trip, there were people on the plane from the LA Times and other newspapers across the country. Uh, they weren't with us, but they were on the same plane doing the North Korea trip. And then um, a couple months later, they put a picture of us in the article of a you know, bizarre trip because we were Americans going to North Korea. And, so uh, it's 2005, the first year that Americans yes, go to North Korea? Uh, as tourists. Okay. And so that's something that I did. And uh, there were just five of us. And uh, it, was a, it was a great experience. And we went the maximum number of days for an American, which is 11. And uh, it, was, it was well worth it. And I've been back uh, 11, 12 times since. And every time it's a different trip almost because... They always change the itinerary at the last minute. They add things. They take things out. And um, there were things we couldn't do as Americans on the first couple of trips that I got to do later, which were outstanding, such as the uh, mausoleum of uh, Kim Jong-il and Kim Jong-un. Uh, Kim, uh, Kim Il-sung. Oh, son, thank yeah, you very Kim much. Son. Yeah, Kim Jong Un is still alive. Right? Yeah, he'll always be alive. Yeah, he'll always be alive. Yeah, <laughs> thank you for the correction. Um, and so, yeah. originally it was just for the grandfather, and then when the father died, then he got his wing of the mausoleum built. And uh, you go into it; it's, it's got an escalator, not an escalator, a people mover that goes for maybe a quarter mile. And prior to that. They make sure you have everything out of your pockets. You can't even have a gum wrapper in your pocket, a piece of paper. They blow you down with this blower to blow all the, you know, capitalistic dust off you, I suppose. And then something I, I think is kind of cool, really, I've never seen it anywhere in the world, mm-hmm. is instead of taking your shoes off, which is always a pain in the neck if you're in a Muslim country, you go to a mosque, you take your shoes off, they wrap your feet in these uh, plastic uh, paper. Uh, so you, there's a little machine you go up. It looks similar to in the old hotels where a man would shine his shoes with a little electric thing. You, you step over there and this arm comes out and wraps your shoes in plastic. So th- then you get to step on the uh, people mover as you move into the mausoleum. And then, of course, you get to see... Uh, their cars and their office building, I mean, their office, you know, which had, by the way, the, the, the latest at the time, uh, uh, Apple computer and uh, <laughs> and uh, custom-made Mercedes limousine because they know how to live. The leaders always know how to live. And uh, so that happened uh, maybe on my fourth on or fifth trip. trip. Okay, they could, trip. Couldn't take it, couldn't do it. And then they go back and forth, like, for example, the Pueblo the ship that was captured uh, after the Korean War. We were, we were spying on them, 
and they attacked it, the ship. You can see all the bullets on the ship. And it was it was docked at the uh, Pyongyang River for a long time. You could go on Google Earth and you could actually see the... Uh, the uh, ramps that allow you to the gangway uh, to get on the ship from the from Google Earth images, but now they've moved it over to their new uh, military museum, which, beyond a doubt, is the finest museum and a war museum in the world. Mm-hmm. The detail, the the marble, the brass, the glass, the presentations are unbelievable. They have these rotundas where they have the various battles of the Korean War. Uh, you know, they even have American jeeps embedded into the rotunda display as it goes around in a circle. You got MiGs and and It's F-86s. too bad, though, because they, they don't let you take any photos. That's what I was most bummed about. Yeah, you got to be careful with that because you can get in trouble if you don't do exactly what they tell you to do. But they, they lighten up after uh, a day or two. It, it can be uh, more relaxed. But at first, they put you in your place and call you a cat. So to kind of backtrack a little bit, what are the initial things you tell a tour group that you're leading before they're visiting North Korea? Like, How do you get them ready so that they don't necessarily break some rules that might put even you in danger? What, what kind of things do you say to them or prepare them for? Well, all the English-speaking tour companies, and there's one from England that that uh, American student was on mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, and that was only a two-day trip out of Hong Kong. The Virginia right? student? Yes, and the, I know he got the letter that said <laughs> how to dress, what not to say, etc. cetera. But uh, with, with my groups, so that they get the idea up front. I said there was a group before me who, when they were going to leave and they're going through the immigration, they said to the immigration person, how come the only fat person in your country is your leader? (laughs) And that cost three days of interrogation. The whole group had to stay there? Well, I don't know if this is true. I heard about it. So I use it as a tool for them to think, oh, okay. I'm not going to mess around here. Yeah, because there are people that are veterans in my groups who, you know, when they say that we started the the war with North Korea. They just can't handle it. If it, You can't argue with the guides. You, yeah. you suck it up. You know, it's just like being at Ohio State or something like that. And you're from <laughs> SC. And, and you, or you got your Michigan hat on. And you, yeah, you're at Notre Dame. And yeah. You just... You want to tell them off, but you know, you're the, just not in the right place. Wrong time. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't do that. But at home, if somebody wants to go to North Korea, now they can't go. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may open up again, but it's been closed for two or three years. Uh, what's really As an a, American citizen. As an American, yeah. yeah. What's uh, unfortunate, that the, the highlight of going to North Korea are the mass games and uh, they're performed in a stadium almost twice the size of the LA Coliseum and they have a wall of card stunts of maybe oh, 30 40,000 students doing 50 different stunts with the cards scenes of Korea propaganda scenes and it's also called the Arion 
and know what it is. It's it's this uh, musical dancing with a uh, socialist overtone of reuniting North and South Korea. Is it like a yearly commemoration? It's no. It's done uh, during a year. They'll have a season for it because okay. the, the weather there in the winter would in the winter would be too tough. It would be a like spring summer uh, show. And they'd probably perform three or four days a week for about six weeks, and then that's it. So I've been three or four times, and I believe now they've even made it the, the show bigger. But anyone who's with me, it sees that it's a mind blower. Well, I heard I heard they haven't had it in a while. They yeah. haven't had it in a while, but then they did have it a little bit when we couldn't go here in the last couple of years. I'm just saying when we were in 2015, I remember when we they, were asking them. They would have had it, but they were redoing the uh, stadium. They're also very secretive. So. And, you know, they charge a lot of money for it. So they make a lot of money, and it, of course, has to be paid in U.S. dollars, mm-hmm. which gives them uh, foreign currency, which they like. And uh, So if people want to check it out, I, I think I saw it on YouTube. Yeah, so. if you go to YouTube, you get the idea. Some people uh, filmed it. Definitely in the gift store of the hotel and I've stayed in two different four or five star hotels in Pyongyang they'll they'll sell a CD of the mass games and they'll also sell a CD of those military parades that you see uh, with all the tanks but don't buy it okay it won't work uh, <laughs> it won't work on European yeah. television. It, I, I bought it. I know. And uh, I remember they were trying to sell us phone connection when we first got there. Mm. I remember they were trying to tell me that oh, you could get like a three G, two G SIM card. And I don't know. I just thought well, it was probably a bad idea somehow. You know, <laughs> all the times that I've been there, I it's just you you you're not allowed to call out. Yeah. You know, I mean, they had they let us have our phones. They, okay, was... that changed because when I first went there, mm-hmm. 2005, you had to. Uh, well, we were told in advance, don't bring a computer. But yeah, uh, it would have been safe because they take it away from you at the airport and you get it back. But cell phones, uh, we had to leave the cell phones at the airport, and yeah. then at the end of the period of time that you're there, you definitely get them back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure they go through them. But uh, yeah, but you're just not allowed to take that stuff. So you know this on a list. Don't do this. Don't do that. Yeah. I had a guy on my one trip who was a Vietnam veteran. And he wanted to wear his U.S. Army jacket, and that lasted about ten seconds. So when the guide saw that, yeah. take it off, put it away. So that- I remember. Well, that one of the guys on our trip, he was a Vietnam War veteran. The but guy he, from Guam. Yeah, he had to wear it inside out. Because oh, it, it had an American flag on it, so oh, they, yeah. they knew what it, it was. It wasn't even like a real military, no, anything. But <laughs> yeah, but, but do, don't I, I know for a fact they knew all about his background before we but, all got in there. But if so. you remember something that I did, uh, I was open with the guides because mm-hmm. on our our trip. Um, so we went we went to North Korea, or I went to North Korea with my sister and my dad. Back in 2015, so it was it was near around the cutoff of when you could still go as an American citizen. Is that the last time I went? Mm-hmm. 2015. So I, I went with uh, the Goodmans and uh, and my other friend from, and David and David 
after or before before that okay before that i think probably around early 2010s yeah that was a real short trip Mm -hmm. we we only went with some we were only there three days which isn't enough but uh it it was better than nothing Mm -hmm. but uh um yeah it's been that long so tell them because you were on my trip uh we're in this big giant hall because we were in the older hotel in the downtown uh which is the first hotel I yeah. went to until five. In Pyongyang. What your breakfast was like. Oh, yeah. Well, I would say it was pretty interesting coming in to North Korea because I, I think I was a freshman in high school. So I still, I, I was just like any other kid. I think the movie, the interview uh, was coming out around then as a big joke. And I remember was, they're, they're all, they, they weren't very happy about that. Um, and I, I remember a lot of friends were asking me to, to ask uh, the guides if they knew about that. And I wasn't planning on doing that. But yeah, in terms of the, the food situation there, I, I was definitely very surprised with the hotel. The hotel was a lot bigger and I guess I wouldn't say nicer, but just a little bit more something you'd see in a lot of different countries in terms of quality. And so it was it was a bit older but but new. They they were making sure that a lot of tourists were probably staying at this hotel in Pyongyang. And it was really cool cuz it had a a roof at, right at their rooftop. I think it was a 30 40 story building. They had a restaurant that rotated and you could see a lot of the the whole area there and yeah, I remember eating breakfast there. It was it was it was great cuz the first night we got there the next morning they had all kinds of food, eggs, everything, um, coffee, all, all kinds of food. I, I was honestly really surprised. And I tried to always try all the food, especially the food I don't know whenever we go on any trips because I just don't know when I'm going to be able to come back. But what I'd say that was kind of funny um, when we were staying in that particular hotel in Pyongyang was how each day we were there, I kind of noticed that the food started getting a little bit less and less in terms of uh volume <laughs> so each day we we're there you know a little bit less food and i think around the 10th day i show up there's it's not even a buffet anymore they're like uh what do you want and i was mm-hmm. like oh okay well just give me some eggs they're like oh well i think maybe you should only want one egg i was like sure i only want one egg <laughs> so after a while they you know i don't know if they were running out of food or, or something like that but um Definitely, I think I think they were preparing for most of the tourists to come at the same time. Because when we first flew into North Korea, there were around two, two, three other planes there as well. So I kind of feel like they have a certain timetable of when they want all the tourists coming in. Because it took around two or three hours just to get through their little immigration they have set up. So it was definitely a pretty, pretty interesting way that they, they kind of introduced us to the city overall. And you have, uh, you know, good cop, bad cop. You have two guides, mm-hmm. and your and your driver who doesn't speak English. But the the guides, uh, one of the guides is, is, is more in charge than the other. And uh, yeah, one time with one of my groups, we gave a rather large tip to uh, the rookie guide, and, <laughs> and, and they, they took it away from her we, yeah. when we didn't see him. They they just took it away from the rookie. But uh, yeah, but so the guides are kind of, at least for me, I, I saw them as like, 
my second moms in a way. They're my two moms. Um, I remember when we first got into the van, they were they kind of gave us this rundown of everything that we're supposed to do, like a set of rules. It was it was pretty interesting, and they're like, okay, f- rule number one: no taking photos of things we don't want you to take photos of. Whether that's if you're taking a photo of a statue of any of our leaders, can't be cut off, can't be flash, no photos of military. And I just was kind of surprised. No, no bridges. No bridges. Anything they didn't want us to see, we're not taking photos of. And there are a few other rules, but they, they really just want to make sure that early on we're, we're going to be in our place. We're not going to screw around. But then in the north, coming back from the caves, gift caves I'll talk about in a minute, mm-hmm. we got cut off the main highway and they just told us to shut your eyes. Oh, and- I remember that. Yeah, I, I, I remember... I think we were going past the driver messed up because I remember it was raining throughout the whole day and we were trying to get to these caves and it was so funny because they're panicking and I don't speak any Korean, but I, I could tell they were, you know, something went wrong and they, all of a sudden they said, duck your heads <laughs> and just don't look up. And I was like, okay, you know, and I had my camera next to me and they're watching all of us and they're just like, put your head down. Don't, don't, don't pay attention. So it was pretty, pretty wild. And what did you see? I didn't see anything. Well, yeah, you did. The Which village part? of all the people who were so poor. Oh. They were all doing construction in yeah. the mud. The street yeah. was mud. The buildings were mud. Yeah. And they were really, I mean, I just don't know they were that, really poor. I don't know from that per, um, particular It was instance. not on their itinerary yeah. to go through that village. Yeah, I would say that's, that's true. I, what I was definitely most um, surprised about going, because we, we drove from Pyongyang up to a smaller um kind of area up in the northern section north korea and it was you're right it it was very barren that that's what the kind of pyongyang tricks you into thinking that the area is very industrialized and competing up with seoul but yeah i would say i couldn't believe how these they had these huts and no doors nothing i mean they're they're using they're using like ox to till the fields like it was very I'd never seen something like that. It's something you only see in movies, I think. What I didn't like about the 2005 trip, because they had about oh, 30 of the big shot writers from newspapers mm-hmm. from the United States on our airplane, and then we talked with them when they got back on the plane because they, they did a total different thing than we did. And when I read what they uh, published when they got home, it wasn't true at all. They oh. showed all, they talked about the poor people. They talked about the camps uh, and the that torture. they saw. And, the, and they, uh, there's no way they saw it. I'm not saying that they don't exist, but they're not going to show you anything that they think is going to make them look bad. Yeah. So, so they just took the license to go ahead and say, yes, about the political prisoners. Yet there was no, uh, there, there are, but, uh, mm-hmm. but you're not going to see them. Yeah, it just it doesn't exist. So I'd say for me, one of the a photo I still wish I took some or not wish I took, but I wish I had was um, I remember when we were driving down one of the roads in Pyongyang and all of a sudden we just turned right off the street and I didn't understand why. And the, the guy just said, everyone just sit there. Don't take any photos of what's going to happen next. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what, what does that mean? And. All of a sudden, I see it had to be two to three hundred tanks 
going down the, the, the street and guys marching right next to it. And man, it was something I'd never, I really couldn't imagine that. I mean, it was, it was, I wish I somehow just got my camera snapped a few photos, but like you said, there's a good cop and a bad cop when it comes to guides and the, the bad cop was definitely staring at me. So wasn't going to risk any of that. Well, we were in this restaurant, uh, in our trip. On our trip. And, okay. and, and the, the, the guide from another group oh, recognized yeah. me. So I was like a local. It was so funny. Yeah, this guy came up to my dad and he was saying, oh, I remember you from a long time ago. And I was like, I, I can't believe my, my dad knows people in North Korea. These people know him. <laughs> but I think uh, it was the, in that restaurant that your sister Lena was, mm. was showing the, the guide... Uh, her cell phone and uh, I think that was on the bus. That was on the was bus. On the bus. Yeah. Describe what. Okay, before you do that, everybody in North Korea wears a pin, mm. and the pin has one of the two le- deceased leaders, uh, Kim Jong Il and Kim Jong Kim Il Sung. Kim Il Sung. One of the, one of them, or both of them. You could have a double whammy, mm-hmm. but they all have these pins, and you're not allowed to. You're not for sale. There's, but everybody wears one. And you get one when you're a little kid. All the kids wear one. So after my first trip in 2005, uh, Monty Anderson, he sent me a bunch of them because he got them on eBay. And so <laughs> I put it on my jacket when I was, sometimes when I'm giving yeah. lectures, to tell them what happened. To yeah. That. So like my dad was saying, the, the these little pins, they're kind of like their most prized possession. I mean, you don't go out with without having it right on the left side of your shirt it's it's one of their it's a really big deal it's like it's like not wearing pants in the u.s you can't just you can't go outside like that so i think the guides really liked seeing my sister and my phone so they, they they let us bring our cell phones our iphones with us and they were just so curious to see kind of the outside world and what's going on and I remember as she was going through all the photos, I was pretty confident. I'm like, I have nothing that's kind of sketchy. But one of them, she stopped at this one particular photo. And I I wasn't even really thinking about what was going on. And all of a sudden she goes, what's that? And I'm like, oh, uh, I I didn't know what she meant. It was just a family photo of me, my dad, my mom, my sister, at my sister's uh, 18th birthday party. You know, just, just a photo of us. Um, all together and she goes what's that and she points at this really small I mean you know everyone knows how big an iPhone is it's not that big and she points at this really small speck and she's like how did he get this and I'm like oh my god this is not good and I remember my dad liked to wear the his North Korean pin of Kim Jong-il I think sometimes with his suits and I was like oh we are weird it's that's it you know and so then she she goes over to you and i thought and I, she she thinks like oh like how did you get this and you have this kind of kind of a smart ass answer you just say oh ebay like they know what ebay is but it, it seemed good enough for them so <laughs> that's kind of what ended up happening there um but yeah well on your trip and then the first trip we made uh not a, not the other trips very often mm. we got to the north to the uh gift caves and so you're you drive past pyongyang past the mausoleum and maybe three four hours later you're in the beautiful green forest area 
And they're about a mile apart, but the, the grandfather and the father's gifts are in these caves. And the doors are like, or they're ornamental, but they're, they're like major nuclear blast doors. They're 25 feet high, and they open these iron doors. You go in, get your feet wrapped, and there must be, well, they show us maybe 15 rooms and they must have a hundred yeah. rooms, and in these rooms, I think they said that if you spent ten seconds looking at every single gift in that cave, in both caves, it would take forty years to see everything that's in there. Like you might see uh, some leader from the Congo gave the leader a uh, lion skin golf bag, mm-hmm. and then you would see Jimmy Carter's gift, <laughs> Madeline. Albright's gift and Ted Turner's never knew about. gift. Yeah. yeah, people that in our country, our politicians, their gifts that they've given the leaders that and you even, would never hear about if even you didn't travel. Kim Jong Un's stuff. I remember the coolest thing I saw of Kim Jong Un's was Dennis Rodman's dress that he, you know, <laughs> like the wedding dress. It was there. I, I was there was a signed basketball, his jersey number forty five from the Bulls, and a signed wedding dress right there i was <laughs> like right. i couldn't believe it he, he, he the, something that we'd always see on tv they he, i guess he gave to kim jong-un as a gift and they put it there and if there would be rooms where depicted at the end of the room up on this podium there was one of the leaders and disney could not have done a better facsimile of the leader it's i guess it's done in clay and there's oh yeah there's kind of a breeze and the trees around his image there. I remember or, that, yeah. You know, and it's like, whoa. So you go into some of the rooms, and one of the rooms was a gift from uh, Russia, from uh, Stalin, of uh, a four-car train. And because the leaders still to today, plus Stalin, they love to travel in trains. They didn't trust airplanes. So here's this Russian plane, uh, the Russian train. And then there was another room that was new since the last time I went there. It was new from the first time. was a uh, Tupolev Russian passenger jet, like the size of a 747 um, Boeing. And just in one room, here's this. And you could go up and walk in it and, you know, ladders <laughs> going down. And oh, I, st- I actually remember that. Yeah. Students were there doing that. Uh, it went on and on, and then we departed and went to another cave with the other leaders. I do want to debunk one thing that I've heard a lot on the news that a lot of people, you know, remember that thing that they would say that a lot of the new, the younger generation are through two, three, four inches. Short. I was thinking, that yeah, because I remember when that's we, not true. I don't believe that. They yeah, look the same. They size. look the same because when we were looking at the plane there at the at the gift caves, I I remember seeing a lot of like the students around my age at the time. You know, I I honestly think that was more of a fictitious thing that the media but tried. To they're do. right. You don't see any fat people. No. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, everyone's in. Moderate and to I know I, I know you like to dance, so we're out <laughs> oh, in these yeah. open areas, and then they grab you. Yeah, they're, they're doing this ballroom dancing. Okay, thing. yeah. So they they another part of that trip, I think it was second or third day when we were um, there in Pyongyang. They they have this thing called the mass dance, and it, it was honestly quite a spectacle. We didn't get to go see the Ariane, so this was kind of my experience with how 
how well North Korea can can make these really big events and have them be perfectly choreographed. And for um, one of the days, they were having this mass dance, and I I hadn't even been to my school's prom yet, so I'd never been to any dances before. But this guy, just just because I was a bit younger, my sister and I were younger, she kind of felt like she was our mom, so she kind of bossed me around and told me whatever to do, and. Uh, they're having this big dance and I'm like, oh yeah, that's great. I'm trying to get as many photos. And all of a sudden she, she takes my camera away and she says, go. And I'm like, what do you mean go? And she says, get in, get in. So she gri- grabs my arm and she just rips away two of the dancers. And there had to be around at least a thousand people dancing. All dressed up. Yeah. And their traditional wear. It was really beautiful. You know, then the men each had their partner with the woman wearing a beautiful kind of traditional Korean dress. And Meanwhile, I'm just wearing shorts and a t-shirt and she throws me in and I, I didn't even know what was going on, but you know, the, the, the girl I was dancing with, she was very nice and they're trying to get me in and man, I was sweating. It, it was, I, I always joke about it. It was my first dance was in North Korea <laughs> and I was terrible and it, it made me understand that I'll never have a career in dance. So also <laughs> it's the first time you ever got lost, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, so I, uh, another story we had kind of, this goes back to when we went to the gift caves. I don't know the exact name. Do you remember the exact name of that area, um, near the gift caves? I, I don't. I, I wouldn't be able to pronounce it correctly yeah. if I did remember Well, it. yeah, so we spent two days away from Pyongyang in that area, mainly to see those gift caves. But I think at the end of that day, they wanted us to go to a local park there or like a reserve a nature reserve and you know like we were talking about earlier north korea definitely is is very untouched in a way as as much as it's pretty barren it's also untouched though they had a lot of pretty cool nature and it's it's a bit mountainous too so you could see a lot of the forestry and things like that and one one of the um trails she wanted us to go on only my sister and i wanted to do because everyone else on the trip was pretty old so they didn't really want to mm. get out you know <laughs> so my sister and i were like yeah we're dying to do some kind of exercise so my guide she was she was wearing probably high heels the whole trip so there's no way she was gonna do this but she she did for like i'd say a half mile she's like okay go up this trail going up this mountain it's there's a big waterfall at the top it's a nice view take you like 20 minutes up 20 minutes down so i'm like okay sure i I just go with my sister and i and we start going up this thing we see a bunch of kids and after i want to say 10 minutes of going up we're thinking like okay we're seeing less people but she said it's a really nice view at the top so we keep going but after a while we see you know the path starts to end we're getting a bit lost and i saw this one bridge and I'll tell you, the bridge had only one plank in the middle. So I literally jumped over. I felt like I was Indiana Jones or something going over. I'm like, I, I want to get to the top of this mountain in North Korea. I want to say I got to the top of the mountain in North Korea. That was my goal. And we, we got all the way to the top there, and I didn't have a watch or anything. So I had no idea how long that took. And we finally found our way up to this kind of um, area. It's like a viewing area that looks right down the waterfall, and you can see this huge valley. And it, it was so beautiful. But uh, North Korea, it's I'd say it's it's a bit humid and kind of hot, so it's pretty pretty sweaty and pretty tired. So I, I'd had to have been at least a few hours that 
we were possibly gone by then but at that point we wanted to rush back so we could see everyone and before it gets dark but yeah we got totally lost completely lost and um why don't you talk about you know your thought process where we were gone <laughs> what were you thinking well i knew they'd find you because there's a big military base mm-hmm. uh not too far away there and I, I knew they'd send out the troops there are in that area well, mountain no oh, tigers there's right? tigers yeah there's tigers in that area because this north korean butts up against a little bit of sliver of russia and china and the, the uh, <laughs> Yalu River and things like that. But in these mountains, there are known to be tigers. So, yeah. and uh, but yeah, we were we were gone for ending up six hours. And after <laughs> a while, I don't know. I thought I was gonna see something weird that they didn't <laughs> want me to see. Like I, I really thought I was gonna. I was looking at some rocks. I got my jacket. I was just gonna be like, okay, Lena, let's just go to sleep here. We'll wait until the morning. But I, I, my biggest fear is just seeing someone weird. I, I'd seen the movie, The Interview, and they had all that kind of stuff. Obviously, it wasn't real. But, you know, I had a 15-year-old's perspective on things. And ending up, we got back, and my our guide was so mad. She, I'd never seen someone so mad before. She, you know, I, I, felt, I thought she gripped me by the ear or something. But they were so mad because I, I felt like she was probably going to have to sit, tell someone that that happened. <laughs> so File a report. File some type of report. But uh, yeah, we got back before it was uh, sun, sunset, so it wasn't too scary. But I, I did get lost in a North Korean forest for six hours. Um, when we went to the south, another rotunda down there was uh, the Battle of Kaesan. You know, we saw that. But I don't think you saw... The one they only have one UNESCO site mm-hmm. in North I think Korea. we did actually the little bridge. Yeah, I oh, think you we did, did see the yeah, little bridge. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little tiny bridge. I mean, through, I remember it was marked there. Yeah, like it had that's a their UNESCO, UNESCO site. Okay. It's in the sub by Kaesan. Mm. and then they have some tombs of early graves of uh, kings, etc. But you got to remember, North Korea is a blend of China and Japan, so the food. Uh, if, if there is any, it can be really good, uh, kind of a blend. And, uh, but if you remember once we left North Korea, uh, it was a little bit different in Seoul with your Wi-Fi. It was, was yeah. better than it is in the States, right? It yeah. Was just, boom. So, so if you don't know too much about traveling in North Korea, you really can only get in through certain countries. So we flew in through Beijing at the time and, it was interesting because that was during the MERS outbreak in South Korea. So if we had visited South Korea somehow before on the trip, we couldn't have gone for two months. They were kind of doing a quarantine at the time if you'd been there. So we, we flew in from Beijing to Pyongyang and then after the trip was over, back to Beijing and then down to Seoul. So we got to spend uh, three days down there and it was, it was honestly, I, I, I hope that I can live in Seoul one day because it's just so amazing. It's it's crazy to see how technologically advanced South Korea is and how they're you know pretty far beyond the U.S., I'd say, at this point. And then having been in North Korea 24 hours previous, it was definitely crazy to see all the Samsung TVs. Well, the things I've noticed going for 15 years is the buildings in uh Pyongyang are now painted colorfully. Before they were just plain cement, 
and th th there hasn't been much of a change. There's the change of the buildings and color, but there are uh, nicer restaurants now that there. Everything's owned by the state, but uh, there was this one restaurant that. When you come out of the hotel, you're not even allowed to walk around the hotel. They tell you you can stand in the parking lot to get on the bus, but no wandering anywhere. So uh, we had uh, a, a guy from Colorado, Bruce Clark, who was with us. and the, the, they would So you're talking about visiting the DMZ from the north side? No, I'm talking about in the hotel. They had us go to that nice fish restaurant. Oh, I see. And yeah. then... <laughs> We, yeah. it, it's part of the hotel, but it's around the corner, and uh, it's a separate, it's same building, but it's separate part. Yeah, yeah, it's across the... And, and so what did the guides give us? Well, our, we had a, a, a nice man, uh, Bruce Clark, he, he was part of our trip, and he made a lot of jokes when sometimes you didn't think you should be making the jokes there. But um, like, like we said, those guides stay with us 24-7, I mean, for the most part. Like anytime we're going out, they're there. They see us off until we get into our hotel room, but there is around a kind of a grace period between uh, the, which was the walk back from that restaurant to our hotel. We could do that by ourselves. And we could do that by ourselves. So Bruce would always call that our freedom time. He would say freedom time. Freedom walk. Freedom walk. Yeah. Yeah. He'd say, we got to do our freedom he walk. Said, well, we get our freedom walk where no one kind of <laughs> came with us. We were unattended back to the hotel, but I remember you were talking about that one story about those guys that tried to blend in. Remember that story where those guys tried to blend in with the citizens and well, these two during guys, their freedom walk, they walked away. <laughs> yeah, uh, they were the different group and they had gotten a hold of somehow the Maoist type suits uh, that the leaders wear. I don't know wear. how they brought that in. And they were, they were from Europe. <laughs> American, I did have put it in jail for that. I don't know. But they, they but didn't they try to get a taxi cab and then somehow get down the road? Something like that. And they, they rounded them up real quick. Mm -hmm. You're just not allowed to do that. But um, it, was a, it was a great trip. I'd love to go back again. I want you to see the mass games. And also just a small tidbit. We were talking a little bit about the mausoleum earlier. So I wasn't allowed to go to that because apparently there is an age um, qualification minimum of being, you have to be 18 years old. And that's for, I guess, every uh, citizen within North Korea. So I was really bummed. Uh, my dad just waited with me in the bus, but I, I didn't get to see the mausoleum. But I, I'd say from my perspective, it was definitely it was almost like a holy site. Like it was like a pilgrimage in a way. Like, Mecca. Yeah. Everyone that was there, you know, they were in their best suits, their best clothing and they, you know, no joking around, no talking. And it's, it was a, a holy site. And I think a lot of people don't actually know this. So then the religion in North Korea is called Juchi and they have a tower called the Juchi tower right in the middle of a Pyongyang that you can go up and, and look throughout the city and it's, it's basically, you know, a religion based around their leaders, the Kim family, right? Do you have anything you want to add to that? Uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's their religion and it's, you know, it, it's self-insuring. You're supposed to, you know, carry a book with you at all times, which I've learned to do, like, 
it cuts down my time when I go to doctor appointments. I'm telling you, go carry a book and your dental appointments will go quicker. But he said that the leader to carry a book with you at all times in your hand so that you you, know, you read it. So the juchi is you're supposed to make yourself strong and thus the country becomes strong. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'll give them a break on one thing. And that is about uh, people will say, look at Google Earth at night and you'll see North Korea is totally black and therefore... Uh, you know, yeah, I didn't believe that. And, either. and what it is, is there's no capitalism. Mm -hmm. So there's no lights. Now, if you think about it, just go out of your town tonight, look around. If it's not something that sells something, chances it, are, it's also, dark. it's not going to be lit. Yeah. And so it's not, and I, I'm sure they don't have enough energy and all that stuff. But when you look out of your hotel and we were up on 20th, 30th floor of our oh, hotel, all kinds of, you could see people in there eating and stuff, but everything's dark. And you cannot distinguish as you go down the street where a restaurant is, where a I've never been in a clothing yeah. store because there's no signs mm -hmm. because they're not advertising anything. Well, and well, we also didn't don't read Korean, so but there little... wasn't any signs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all dark. But I would say, yeah, that that whole point they try to make on the news of it having no lights. I I mean, I can't speak outside of Pyongyang. Because I, I would say it's pretty, it is pretty barren. Like we, we talked about, like they, they, there's not much outside of Pyongyang. It's definitely their kind of crown jewel, I guess. But you know, like you were saying on the bus, uh, because you weren't allowed to go in the mausoleum. I've been in it before. I said, I'm not going. They couldn't believe that I wasn't yeah. going. But we had the good cop, if you remember. Yeah, yeah, the good guy. <laughs> so she has me in the back and she, you know, the bad cops with the others. And she says to me, what do you think? <laughs> and I said, I don't think anyone's trying to get sneak into this country. And that's all I said. <laughs> Today, maybe I wouldn't yeah. you know, say that, but that's, that, that's what I, that was my answer. It's better to play it safe when you're in North Korea. But I'd love to go back. Um, I have a good time every time I go. It's like I say, it's going to Mars. Uh, you gotta be. You, you gotta like um, riding on a Russian plane. Uh, they do have the number one worst airline in the world. Karar Airlines, and I've yeah. seen them. I've seen them in Vietnam, and I've seen them in Pakistan. The Karar Airline. Yeah. Uh, they're around the world. But what happened was, I always get stuck when I leave Korea transferring in Beijing to the flight home. So what I use is China Air out of North Korea. So our guides know that I'm taking China Air and it's raining like mad and the planes are delayed. And they stayed with us, which normally yeah. they don't in any part of the world. They stayed in the terminal. <laughs> and she looks and she goes, why didn't you take our airline to Beijing? We have, <laughs> it's storming like mad. Yeah. She goes, we have the bravest pilots. Mm -hmm. And I said, well... I'm not really looking for brave pilots. <laughs> so in summation, I think it's a great place to go. Um, I'm not going to Mars, so this is the closest I can get. But um, for travelers, here's a perfect example. You know, who would want to go and who shouldn't go? There's a big group out there of people that shouldn't go. Yeah. But if you're interested... Uh, you know, what a great place to visit. It's like nothing you've ever seen anywhere else. And, um, but if you're not going to be respectful and keep your mouth shut, it's probably you, not you the may best not, place. <laughs> return, you may not return, yeah. but, uh, 
I, I, I love it. I'd like to go back again, especially when the mass games uh, start up again. And, um, you know, it's a part of world travel. So, you know, we're going to talk here in the upcoming months about why go to these places and stuff like that. And certainly there's somebody who goes, oh, I'm not going there. Okay, fine. Uh, we don't want you to go. You'll ruin it for everybody else. <laughs> and, uh, and that's one of those places. But you're not going to compare it. Is it like, you know, I suppose um, Turkmenistan, for those people who've been to the Stan countries, uh, that's about as close as you can get. But mm -hmm. it, it's, it's much more powerful than Turkmenistan. But Turkmenistan <laughs> has that totalitarian... Uh, Still untouched kind of feel. Well, it has all these buildings that are empty, but it's a yeah. facade that they're doing really well, etc. I would say, to kind of close off as well, that I can debunk that the, in, the movie The Interview, extremely unrealistic, almost 98% of the stuff I saw in that was untrue. Um, and it's, it's definitely, you, you actually get to see a lot of what goes on in the country. I think North Korea obviously has its certain reputation in your mind already whether that's from the news or things you've seen but you really don't understand who the people are and the overall scene of the country until you go and that and that's for good or for worse you know just i, I was definitely very surprised to see how much of the place there is just people doing their own thing i mean whether i'm naive enough to know that it was that was their assigned role or anything beyond that. I'm not sure, but just seeing people fishing on the side of the river or going to the park to play basketball, I saw that. So I, I can confirm that there are people living there and they're trying to, you know, have their life. So you, the only way to really know for yourself is to go see it. I do hope in the near future that I can go back again and just kind of add to my experiences in North Korea. But, uh, yeah, so that, that, that kind of sums it up. So we're, we're going to keep having our weekly episodes released every Sunday. From now on, it will be both on YouTube and on Spotify. So whichever platform you think's best to check it out on, please keep listening and add any questions, any, any kind of comments you have for the podcast. Maybe there's certain things you want to know, places you want to hear my dad talk about, and we're happy to take them. So take care.